the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. everybody welcome into another edition of locked on pokes i'm your host colby powell glad to be with you on this thursday as we inch ever closer to saturday and oklahoma state kansas in stillwater at boone pickens stadium after the bye week bye weeks are the absolute worst having to wait two weeks in between games uh but we're almost through it we're almost to another game day on Saturday. Pokes had a big win last night in South Carolina. We will talk about that as we roll on here on Locked on Pokes. If you're new to the program, we do this every weekday, Monday through Friday. I am Colby Powell. You can find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. This is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. College, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, We've got you covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So go ahead and take a minute and subscribe and rate this podcast as well. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Just as I greatly, greatly appreciated Thomas DeZagua going scorched earth last night from three against the College of Charleston. Oklahoma State got off to a slow start. You remember yesterday, I told you, uh, and I had this conversation with my wife yesterday evening, I told you I was nervous about last night's game because I'm a numbers nerd. And I looked at the spread on that game, and Oklahoma State was a four-point favorite. And it didn't make any sense. That number felt like it should have been 10, 11, 12, and it was only four. So I thought, what am I missing here? And I stayed away from it. And early in the game, it looked like College of Charleston kind of had something figured out. Oklahoma State was really struggling to score the ball early on. Oklahoma State had 11 points the first 12 minutes of the game. Uh, Not great. Not great. But then all of a sudden, late in that first half, DeZagua starts heating up from three. Oklahoma State, uh, you know, down, I, be- I believe they were down 26 to 18, and then they led 30 to 28 before College of Charleston hit a couple of free throws to tie it up at 30 going into the half. Uh, DeZagua, I talked about it yesterday, just waiting on him to really get going and have that big game. He was just two of five on the season from three. He did not score. In Saturday's game against UMKC, he was 0-1 from beyond the arc, and that was the only shot that he took, and he did not score in that game. But last night, he more than made up for it as Oklahoma State's leading scorer. He was 7-10 of from beyond the arc. It tied his career high in threes hit. He hit seven in a game last year against Texas. That was actually a loss against Texas in which DeZagua hit those seven threes last year. But 21 points. For Thomas DeZagua, a couple rebounds, a couple of assists to go along with those 21 points. And that was really the catalyst for Oklahoma State, uh, which got off to a slow start. He even talked about it after the game. You know, they didn't they didn't come out ready to go. And early in the game, whenever College of Charleston was kind of gradually extending that lead, you know, the guys on the broadcast had the, the commissioner on from the – CAA, I think, is the conference. If that's wrong, somebody correct me. I'm trying to remember what they were talking about last night. And they were fired up at the potential of an upset for the College of Charleston over Oklahoma State. Uh, This is a College of Charleston team that has pulled off some big upsets in the past. In 2010, they beat North Carolina. In 2015, they beat Ben Simmons' LSU team. So this is a College of Charleston team that has been around and can do some things. And they've got some talented players, Uh, most notably Grant Riller, who is a phenomenal player. He's now averaging a shade under 22 points per game. He's a 6'3", 190-pound senior. And early in that game, it really looked like he was kind of going to 
take over and uh, be Mr. Do Everything for College of Charleston. Didn't end up going that way. Oklahoma State really did a good job of making everything that he got tough on him. He was not getting easy baskets. He scored 16 points last night, but six of those came from the free throw line. Again, no easy buckets. Six of those came from the free throw line. He hit five shots from the floor and no threes. And look, I'm I'm not sitting here claiming to be a College of Charleston expert. I'm not going to sit here and watch their games for the next three months. But I know that Grant Riller can play. Grant Riller played 36 minutes last night, and College of Charleston wanted everything they did to go through Grant Riller, and Oklahoma State would not allow it to happen. Uh, McManus had 18 points for College of Charleston. Jalen McManus, another senior. This is a veteran team for College of Charleston. Oklahoma State did a really good job of pulling together in that second half and getting a 19-point win. Uh, and a big win considering that they were down early in that game and they were able to rebound a game in which they were only four-point favorites. Uh, Thomas Zagwa had the 21. That was impressive. Another guy who impressed me last night, and, and he's really impressed me so far to this point in the season, is Caleb Boone. I, I've been impressed by both Caleb and Keelan Boone. Caleb probably just a little bit taller, uh, you know, can can be whenever your Yorane comes off the floor, can, can be – Yorane light, if you will. Uh, great value, Yorane inside. Best choice, Yorane. In any of these working for you, he can defend the rim just a little bit. He had a block last night. Keelan had a block last night as well. But Caleb Boone had ten points on five of nine shooting. He was the only player off the bench who scored. Chris Harris, Keelan Boone, Avery Anderson, and Jonathan Laurent all got in the game. None of those guys scored uh, in a combined. What would that have been? Thirty-one minutes between the four of those guys. They weren't able to score. Keelan Boone, pardon me, Caleb Boone, I'm going to do that a lot this season, had those 10 points. And I've got to say, there was some talk preseason about whether Caleb and Keelan were going to redshirt, about whether these guys uh, were going to be playing right off the bat. And they look like they're ready for this. I, I mean, physically, mentally last night, whenever you look at Caleb coming in and the team was down and, and he really gave them a boost with some of his minutes off the bench. Keelan in that first game against ORU going out there and knocking down three triples, scoring in double figures. Just for, for true freshmen who just a couple weeks ago we thought, you know, maybe they'll redshirt, maybe they won't. These guys look totally ready for the moment. And, and Oklahoma State certainly is going to be deeper this year than they were a year ago. You remember by, by the end of the year, there was a point where Oklahoma State had seven scholarship players taking the floor. And now you look at the 10 guys who got minutes last night. Uh, four of those played more than 30 minutes, and that was Cam McGriff, Lindy Waters, Isaac Likely, and Thomas Dezogwa. Yorane, only 17 minutes last night. He actually played fewer minutes than Caleb Boone did. Boone played 18. But, but then off the bench, you're bringing in both, both Boone twins, Caleb and Keelan, Chris Harris Jr., Avery Anderson, and Jonathan Laurent. So Oklahoma State has much more depth than they had a year ago. Obviously, we all love what Mike Boynton is doing. So uh, I was really pleased with what Oklahoma State brought to the table last night, late in that first half and throughout that second half. But the depth, the Boone Twins doing a good job. Chris Harris, despite not scoring last night, I thought gave Oklahoma State a good 15 minutes. So, uh, yeah, Oklahoma State basketball looking pretty good right now. This It's going to be a borderline tournament team, I think, at the end of the season. The Big 12 is so tough. There are going to be so many tough conference games, but Oklahoma State is certainly going to be a tough out in the Big 12. They're going to be one of those teams that you see on your schedule and you're like, oh, we're going to have to bring it against Oklahoma State because they're absolutely going to. Uh, I'm Colby Powell. This is Locked on Pokes. Glad you're with me here on this Thursday. Uh, we'll talk a little more college basketball throughout the show. We also have a good listener question. Came in from Brian Rape 
Draper earlier today on Twitter. So we will talk uh, about his question, which involves Chuba Hubbard, who will get back after it this Saturday against Kansas, the leading rusher in the country. A lot to get to today. Stay with me here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Pokes. Colby Powell here with you on a Thursday. Glad everyone is with me. The Oklahoma State Cowboys moved to 3-0 last night against College of Charleston. First road game for Oklahoma State, which makes what some of those freshmen did even more impressive. Literally their first road game of their collegiate careers went out. Caleb Boone, very impressive. Uh, a lot of guys played well last night for Oklahoma State. After the slow start, they were able to kick it into gear, uh, which is good because yesterday was a big, big day for Oklahoma State basketball, and you would have hated to have had it soured by uh, dropping a game you shouldn't to College of Charleston. Cade Cunningham signed his letter of intent yesterday, so it's official. He's a Cowboy. Rondell Walker yesterday afternoon at Putnam City West signed his letter of intent, so he is officially a Cowboy, and we look forward to watching those two. Uh, get in action next year at Gallagher Iba Arena. Saw Kate Cunningham on Twitter, uh, you know, encouraging people to go buy their tickets, get ready to roll for next year. Uh, and not only next year, but for this year. Start the culture switch now at Oklahoma State. The, the, the Oklahoma State basketball culture, it's taken such a huge hit since the, what, mid-2000s? probably, whenever Gallagher Iba Arena was really rocking. I mean, I remember going to GIA growing up, and it was it was standing room only, and it was deafeningly loud. Uh, even some of, the, some of the time when I was at Oklahoma State, some of those matchups with Marcus Smart, Markel Brown, LeBron Nash, uh, when that top-ranked Missouri team came in and went down, when Joel Embiid's Kansas team came in and went down, those were rocking atmospheres at GIA, and and we need some more of that. And not only uh, for Cade Cunningham and Rondell Walker next year, but Lindy Waters and Thomas DeZagua and Cam McGriff, those guys deserve to have that atmosphere for their senior season. So do everything you can to get out to Gallagher Arena. Oklahoma State will host Yale on Sunday. A good Yale team nearly beat uh, third seed at LSU last year in the tournament. Disciplined Yale team. Uh, obviously, that's that's very stereotypical, but it's stereotypical for a reason. Yale has a system that they run. Uh, we'll talk more about that tomorrow as, as we get ready for this weekend. Oklahoma State, Kansas on Saturday, and then o- pardon me, Oklahoma State and uh, Yale on Sunday. And remember, if you're in Stillwater tomorrow night, get out to Neil Patterson Stadium to watch the Cowgirls take on South Dakota State in the opening round of the NCAA Women's Soccer Championship uh, as that will get underway tomorrow, I believe at 7 o'clock. So a lot going on in Stillwater. Great sports weekend. If you're going to be in Stillwater, try to make it out to all three of those. Uh, let's talk a little more Big 12 basketball. Take a look around the conference, what teams did in the middle of this week. Uh, Tuesday night, we didn't get any of this yesterday. Tuesday night, uh, it was wins across the board for the Big 12 Conference. Not not much going in terms of uh, big games. Iowa State beat Northern Illinois by 18 points. TCU played the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, beat them 98-65. to Nothing doing there. Texas, coming off a win against Purdue, beat California Baptist at home. Pardon me. Maybe it wasn't home. It was in the 2K Empire Classic. 67-54, they beat California Baptist. So not by much. Maybe a little hangover after the win against Purdue, which was a really nice win for Texas against the top 25-ranked Purdue team. And then Oklahoma beat an Oregon State team 77-69 in the Phil Knight Invitational. 
that's an Oregon State team who handed Iowa State its first loss. So the Big 12, uh, I really think, is going to cannibalize itself quite a bit throughout the season. I think it's just a loaded basketball conference once again. A lot of good teams. Uh, you know, even even teams like West Virginia and Oklahoma, which were picked further down the ladder in the Big 12 conference, the coaches that this conference has with, you know, even those two teams I talked about being picked lower were, uh, you know, Bob Huggins and Lon Kruger. TCU almost universally was picked 10th in the conference. Jamie Dixon is the head coach at TCU, so you know they'll uh, they'll have something to say about that. And then last night as well, Kansas State was in action. They moved to 3-0, 73-54 over Monmouth. And then Texas Tech, who's just scoring a ton of points, scored 103 last night. They've now scored 85, 79, and 103 in their three games. Uh, last night against Houston Baptist, they win that one 103 to 74. So good stuff right now in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, a few games tomorrow on Friday night. Remember, Oklahoma State will play on Sunday. Uh, don't believe there are any games in the Big 12 on Saturday. No, there are not. No Big 12 basketball on Saturday, as most schools will focus on football. But West Virginia and Pittsburgh is a good rivalry game tomorrow night on ESPNU. Uh, Monmouth, Kansas, nothing doing there. Prairie View A&M and Texas, nothing doing there. And then Texas State and Baylor will be a snoozer as well. But that uh, West Virginia-Pittsburgh game will be worth tuning into. Rivalry game, a uh, couple of, you know, storied basketball programs with what Bob Huggins has done in Morgantown and what Pittsburgh always is as a basketball program. So tune into that one tomorrow night at uh, at 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Uh, all right, let's get to the Twitter question that I got earlier today from Brian Raper on Twitter. And, and Brian asks, he says, if Chuba has a chance, that, talking about this Saturday against Kansas, if Chuba has a chance at the single-game rushing record, will Gundy let him? Whew, good question. Um, the single-game rushing record, I believe, was set against Kansas. Samaj P. Ryan had it. I can't remember if Melvin Gordon broke Samaj P. Ryan's or Samaj P. Ryan broke Melvin Gordon's. Uh, I can probably look that up in the break. I can probably even look it up uh, here. Single-game rushing record, NCAA. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, I believe. Yeah. Samaj P. Ryan broke Melvin Gordon's. Okay, that's right. So Samaj P. Ryan had 427 rushing yards against Kansas uh, a few years back, back in, what would that have been, 2014? Yeah, 2014, 34 carries, 427 yards, and five touchdowns for uh, for Samaj P. Ryan, which broke a one-week-old record that Melvin Gordon had set against Nebraska. Shout-out Nebraska being mentioned in the same breath as Kansas football. What a joke Nebraska's turned into. Uh, I deviate. So, again, will Chuba, if Chuba has a chance at the single-game rushing record, will Gundy let him? I would almost guarantee you the answer to that question is no. Mike Gundy has talked to us before the season and throughout the season about how they need to limit the number of touches that Chuba Hubbard gets. They need to make sure that Chuba Hubbard is fresh at the end of the season uh, because, remember, that Bedlam game looms large here in a couple weeks. And I would say no. Chuba's touching the ball 27 times a game right now. That's way too many. I think realistically, Mike Gundy and the staff at Oklahoma State would probably like to have Chuba touch the ball about 15 times on Saturday against Kansas. Now, if Oklahoma State is is in a close ball game, then maybe he'll he'll need to touch it a few more times. But I do not think Mike Gundy will let him set the single game rushing record, even if he has a chance. Even if the let's say he goes into halftime with two. What, what did I say the record was? 427? Let's say he goes into halftime with 213 yards rushing. At that point, if he's got that many yards rushing, you're probably up by a few touchdowns. 
Do you see much of Chuba in the second half? Probably not. It's just not worth the risk of getting him hurt, and it's not worth wearing him down when you have important games coming up the next couple weeks. Oklahoma State still has a chance for this to be a 10-win season, and I know that that sounds crazy, but if they win the next two weeks, games they'll be heavily favored in, and then they could pull off the massive upset against Oklahoma, they'll be 9-3 and three going into the bowl game. I mean, if this team could go from where they were after those consecutive losses to Tech and Baylor and turn this into a 10-win season, that would be – I mean, that would be out of this world good. So uh, I think the, the want to have Chuba fresh over the next couple of weeks will outweigh the desire for him to set any kind of record or to get him to New York for the Heisman. Uh, I think that they're going to try to save his legs for Bedlam. And, and quite frankly, that's what I would do if I had the opportunity to get him a little a little rest by not getting as many carries the next couple of weeks. I would probably take it easy on him. That, that would be my preferred method for Chuba Hubbard. Thanks for the question, though. Great question that Brian sent us on Twitter. Uh, send me your questions. Anything like that, I love it. On Twitter, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. Either place, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. I check them both regularly, uh, so hit me up. Brian actually got that in about five minutes before I sat down to record this podcast, so it was great, great timing by Brian. Uh, appreciate the question. I need to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little more football, Big 12, what's going on this weekend. But let me remind you about Roman. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, glad everyone is with me taking a break. Come back. We're going to talk some more college football on the other side, Big 12, and taking a look around the country, talking about the college football playoff rankings the other night. Uh, So busy yesterday, didn't get to any of that. So we'll make up for lost time coming up next here on Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. Colby Powell with you. Glad everyone is with me on this Thursday. Thursday night football tonight. I almost forgot that we have Bedlam in the NFL tonight. Never happened. Two quarterbacks who played against each other at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma squaring off in the NFL. And it's beautiful because they're in the same division. So we get to see it again here in just a few weeks. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. That game will be tonight in Cleveland. 7-20 kick. Cleveland is a three-point favorite in this game. They're at home. It's a short week. The Steelers have to travel. It's a division game. You know it's going to be close. Division games always are. I got to tell you, I like the Steelers plus the three, and and I like the Steelers to win outright tonight in Cleveland. Uh, You know, if you want to say that that's the homerism in me, sure, you can say that. Uh, if you think maybe it's because the Steelers have been a better team over the last month and Mason Rudolph's been a better quarterback than Baker over the last month than the Browns uh, or Baker Mayfield, sure, that might be it too. Maybe it's the fact that Cleveland makes many more mistakes than Pittsburgh makes. Maybe it's the fact that Pittsburgh has a much better head coach than what Cleveland has. Uh, maybe it's the fact that Pittsburgh seems to just go to work and handle their business instead of talking about how well they're going to handle their business. Maybe it's any of those things that's making me think Pittsburgh's going to win this game tonight. But, uh, yeah, I like the Steelers on the road, even on a short week, and it's tough to travel, even in division. This isn't a real long trip from Pittsburgh to Cleveland. 
But it's hard to travel on the short week. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Pittsburgh is able to get done. Obviously, they're playing great football right now. They're on a four-game winning streak. I, I do think having to travel on the short week is maybe a little bit easier to do if you didn't have a road game the week prior. Uh, and Pittsburgh's been at home for a few weeks now. They, they were at home uh, for that win against the Dolphins. They beat the Colts a couple weeks ago. And then they beat the Rams on uh, – on Sunday, 17-12 to 12 in what was really a pretty ugly football game. But James Washington has started to play much better. He's really had the best few games of his career here just recently. Uh, he is, let me look, he's the third leading receiver for the Steelers. I thought maybe he was the, the second leading, but that's Deontay Johnson, who's had a couple big catches throughout the season. Uh, but James Washington had that touchdown last week. Uh, it was the first touchdown of the season for James Washington. It was pretty in the corner. Mason was able to find him a couple more times. So a little bedlam football tonight in the NFL. I am really, really looking forward to it. I like the Steelers on the money line. Uh, and if you're a degenerate like myself, I also like the under. I'm showing 42 on the over-under right now. Division games, statistically, uh, what, what was the stat I saw? Since 2003, divisional games go under like 57% of the time because teams know each other better. The weather supposed to be fine tonight in Cleveland. It's going to be cold, but there's not going to be any crazy winds, any snow. Uh, I just looked earlier this morning. It's supposed to be 33 degrees tonight in Cleveland, cloudy, with wins at 5 to 10. So the weather is not going to be a problem. Uh, it's going to be some, some good football tonight in Cleveland. So I think it falls somewhere in the neighborhood of 17-14, maybe 20-17 to 17 in favor of Pittsburgh. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to Bedlam in the NFL tonight. Let's take a look at the college football playoff rankings that came out the other night. I, I, yesterday was crazy signing day. Bryce Thompson uh, looking at the numbers everything. So we didn't get to the college football playoff. And Oklahoma State – finds themselves in the rankings once again. They are not the only three-loss team in this week. Uh, Kansas State lost, went from 16th to 24th. They are 6-3. and three. They are now sitting behind Oklahoma State where they belong uh, as Oklahoma State won that game pretty handily. Iowa and Texas are the two three-loss teams who currently sit ahead of Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas at 19, Iowa at 20, and Oklahoma State at 22. All of those teams sitting at 6-3. and three. By the way, your upset special of the week, and I don't even know if it's an upset because I'm picking the, Ve the Vegas favorite, but eighth-ranked eighth Minnesota is going to lose to Iowa on Saturday. Iowa is, uh, pardon me, Minnesota 9-0, and coming off the biggest win in, in that program's modern history. I don't want to talk about the 1930s. In that program's modern history, the win last week against Penn State is the biggest win that they have had. And I think the emotional hangover from that big of a win at a place like Minnesota for 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds I think that's going to be too much whenever you're going on the road to face a team that just wants to punch you in the mouth and demoralize you. So my upset special of the week is Iowa beating Minnesota. I am very confident in that game. And when I say very confident, I mean my own dollars have already been wagered on it. Uh, on the money line, not, not with the three. Uh, I don't like laying the three with Iowa because they don't score a ton. Probably be a low-scoring game, but uh, I do think Iowa beats Minnesota on Saturday. Now, the top four, the first three – are pretty easy. We, we, we can all have a consensus on the three best teams in the country right now. It's, it's LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, all undefeated. 9-0, 9-0, and then Clemson is 10-0. After that, it gets real dicey. Georgia's at four. They're at eight and one. Man, that's, that's tough. I, I, there's no way I would have Georgia at four with the loss at home to South Carolina. Uh, that, that, to me, screams 
oh, well, you lost earlier in the season, so you fell earlier, but now you've been able to make your way back up. And I, I just so hate that because Georgia lost five weeks ago and Alabama lost that week, Georgia is somehow ranked higher. Alabama and Oregon, five and six. Utah, seven. Minnesota, Penn State. And then Oklahoma rounds out the top ten at number ten. Baylor at nine and zero oh, is behind Florida and Auburn, who sit at eleven and twelve, each with two losses. And here is what I try to stress to people uh, about the college football playoff. In the NFL, you know, we talked about Browns, Steelers tonight, right? Steelers are five and four. Browns are three and six. It's very easy in the NFL. You have divisions. Everybody plays everybody in the division. You all play the same cross-division opponents. You determine who goes to the playoffs. In the NFL, a win is a win. A loss is a loss. In college football, it just is not that simple because there are 130 teams. Just in the Power Five, there are 70-ish teams in the Power Five. So how can you look at, at this and just say, well, a win is a win and a loss is a loss. Baylor should be higher. I'm sorry, I don't think they should. I don't think Baylor should be higher. I don't think Baylor's been that impressive. Baylor has squeaked by a couple of times. Baylor could not score a touchdown in 60 minutes against TCU. Baylor in the third quarter against Oklahoma State only had 10 points. This is a Baylor team that has been living on the edge, barely squeaking by, and they've managed their way to 9-0. Look, if Baylor wins out and they go 13-0, they should be in the playoff. That would mean that they've beaten Oklahoma twice, that they've won every game on their schedule. They should be in. But as it sits currently, you cannot tell me that a Baylor team that has barely squeaked by is deserving of being ahead of some of these other teams. And I do think that where this gets difficult is sometimes you have to read between the lines and you have to determine, okay, let's look at Baylor's schedule. Well, if Georgia had played Baylor's schedule, would they be undefeated? Yes. Would Alabama? Yes. Would Oregon and Utah and Penn State? Yes, that they would be undefeated. Would Oklahoma? No, because Oklahoma has played the same schedule, and they lost to Kansas State. But again, Oklahoma also has dominated about seven times this year. How many times has Baylor dominated in conference? A couple is the answer. They're not a dominant football team. Florida and Auburn playing incredibly difficult schedules. Here's the thing. Early in November, when the college football playoff rankings are released, I think it's important for people to have perspective and understand that a win is not a win, a loss is not a loss. You have to read between the lines in order to rank teams in college football because everyone plays such different teams, everyone plays such different schedule schedules, everyone wins in such a different fashion. You know, if I if Ohio State had beaten Maryland last week, 14-13, to 13. do you think we would feel the same way we feel about Ohio State with them winning 73-14? to 14? No. How you win matters in college football. Can you dominate an opponent? The, the eye test is a thing in college football. The, the one argument uh, that I will see and, and that I have no problem with is helmet logo matters too much, and I do agree with that because if Oklahoma or Texas had played Baylor's exact schedule – and we're 9-0, and then Oklahoma or Texas would be sitting at the four spot. And I don't think that would be right either because I don't think that resume would stack up with, with some of these teams that are above them. So I think it's going to be tough for a Big 12 team to get in, namely because I don't think Baylor really is nearly as good 
as their uh, record indicates, they're 9-0. and I don't think they're nearly that good. I think they're going to get beat by double digits this weekend by Oklahoma, which will end their chances. And I don't know that Oklahoma can work their way back in either uh, without some serious help that I don't know whether they're going to get. So uh, let me know what you think about my thoughts on the college football playoff. Anything else we've talked about today, send me your score predictions. Tomorrow I'll do score predictions for uh, some of the bigger games in the country uh, and especially for Oklahoma State's game on Saturday at 11 with the Kansas Jayhawks. Thanks, everybody, for being with me for another edition of Locked on Pokes here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.